<laughs> looking outside, but summer is here. Uh, school's out. Everybody's out except Greenwood. And uh, we, we really believe in educating our kids down in Greenwood, so we're keeping them longer than anybody else. But uh, summer's here. So the question is, what are you going to do for your vacation this summer? Huh? What are you going to do? Maybe go uh, camping or, or water skiing or to the lake or mountain climbing or maybe go visit some relatives or the beach or maybe even a cruise. Are any of you going to take some kind of trip this summer? Anybody taking the trip? All right, good. Okay, good, good. One trip I don't want you to take. That's the guilt trip. All right? Let's don't take the grip. We've all taken that one, and we know that it's a dead end, right? It really goes nowhere. First John chapter 4, verse 18 is our key verse today. I'm still in my series on Don't Be Afraid. This is sermon number 8 from that series. Your guilt and God's love, all right? Your guilt and God's love. First John chapter 4, verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. Mark that down. Fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I love the way Phillips translates part of that verse. He says, fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. Now, I know I'm hitting a chord here today because all of us live with guilty feelings. At one time in our life, we have been plagued by guilt. Maybe we don't make this connection, but there are many fears that are caused by guilt in our life. For example... The fear that I'm going to be found out. Huh? There's a lot of guilt that goes along with that. And there is a fear that somebody is going to find out what we've done in the past. Or maybe the fear that I'm going to be rejected by other people. Or the fear that somebody's going to retaliate for whatever it is that I've done. Or the fear that God is going to judge me. And I can tell you, that is the one reason people don't want to die. They're not ready to meet their Maker because of the unresolved guilt plaguing their life. Well, the good news is, you don't have to take the guilt trip this summer. Or any day, alright? Okay, listen, I know it's raining outside, and you're kind of down and dreary and depressed, but this is a good deal today. No more guilt, alright? So wake up, ready? Oh boy, tough crowd today, Jason. We're going to work through it though, man. Going on a guilt trip. All right, here we go. What we usually do with our guilt, number one, then number two, what I want to talk about is what God said we should do with our guilt. First of all, what we usually do with our guilt. The Bible talks about what we normally do with our guilt, and there are three things. Number one, we try to bury it. I say we try, because you really can't, but we try to bury it. Have you ever heard someone advise you, you've got to bury your past? You ever been told that? You've got to bury your past. There's only one problem. It doesn't work. All right? It keeps resurrecting itself like some horror movie. The Night of the Living Dead. All right? And it keeps coming back. Those guilty feelings come back at the most inappropriate times. They overwhelm you all over again. When you bury them, you're burying them alive. They haven't died. They're alive. And so guess what? They're going to come back. And they're going to haunt you. 
Proverbs 28, verse 13 out of the Good News translation says, You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Get a hold of that. You're not going to succeed in anything you do if all you're trying to do is bury your sins or hide your sins. Why? Because they're going to catch up with you. They will catch up with you. In today's world, they're going to catch up with you. Today, it doesn't matter what you did 20 years ago. It will catch up with you. Uh, everything is fair game for the media. If you've done it, they're going to find it out. And more than that, trying to bury the guilt you feel over things. And listen to me, all of us know what I'm talking about today, don't we? We've all had reason to be guilty. We've all had regrets in our life. We've all made mistakes. We've all had failures. We've all committed sins. We've all had problems. But the real problem with trying to bury the guilt is that you're wasting all of this emotional energy because you're trying to do something you can't do. Let's bury your guilt. Listen to Psalm 32. David said, I wouldn't admit my guilt, but my dishonesty made the, the, me miserable and filled my days with frustration. My strength evaporated until I finally admitted all my sin and stopped trying to hide from them. He said he, he just wouldn't admit it. He just kept it in. And it made him miserable. It sapped him from all of his energy. He was spending so much of his emotional and spiritual energy trying to keep it down and not think about it, but it kept popping back up. Why? Because you can't bury your guilt. The second thing we try to do with our guilt is we try to blame others and make ourselves feel better, all right? This one is as old as creation. Way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam sinned and he took it like a man. He blamed the woman. <laughs> he sinned. And in Genesis 3.12, Adam said, But God, it was that woman you gave me who brought it to me, and then I ate it. So not only did he blame Eve, he's trying to blame God. He said, God, this, this happened because you made her. <laughs> you made the woman and gave her to me. How typical. You know what? People have been doing the same thing ever since. You know how you spell blame. I've told you this before. You spell blame, be lame. Yeah? Be lame. When you're blaming you're always being lame. You're not accepting responsibility. Today we're all pros at accusing and excusing. We're great at excusing ourselves and accusing other people. It's what we do in America. It's our favorite pastime. Huh? We just blame everybody else for the miserable life that we have. We say stuff like this, oh, it's not my fault. I have... I may have done something horrible, but it's all because when I was three years old, my mommy held my head under the bathtub water. And because of that, I have all these repressed feelings, and that's why I blew up that building. I can't help it. Well, we always blame other people. But you know what? It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why do we do it then? 
Well, because we use blame to balance out our guilt. Your mind is incredible. There's a balance to your brain. And on one side is the guilt that you have, and on the other side, you try to excuse that guilt by blaming other people. When people say, I feel guilty over something, then what they say is this, but they did, and they named some horrible thing that somebody else has done. We try to balance our own guilt by pointing out the faults and the failures of other people like that's going to negate or delete all the bad things that I've done. But it doesn't work, man. Because you still have the guilt. So we try to bury it, we try to blame others, and then number three, we try to beat ourselves up. When we beat ourselves up, we basically try to take it out on ourselves. We self-administer punishment. Subconsciously, we start saying, I did wrong. And I deserve to pay for it. Our body decides to take over and prove that we're going to pay for it. And so what we end up doing is just continually beating ourselves up. Let me ask you, can a guilty conscience make you sick physically? Sure it can. I read a study recently that said over 50% of the people they studied in two separate hospitals could be released if they just learn somehow to get rid of the guilt in their life because their illness was somehow or another related to their guilt. Let me ask you, can a guilty conscience make you depressed? Absolutely. Depression is often a way of atonement. I did wrong, therefore I'm going to punish myself, and we become depressed. Can a guilty conscience cause you to set yourself up for a failure? Well, yes, again, you bet it can. You're working hard consciously, but subconsciously you're thinking, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to succeed. I don't deserve these good things that are happening to me. So subconsciously, you sabotage your own efforts. Guilt has this amazing way of causing us to take payment out on ourselves. This is what happened with David in Psalms 38. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that is too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. All day long I go about mourning. You see, there's a a problem with beating yourself up. The problem is this, your, your conscience doesn't ever know when to quit. So, it just keeps on. And there are some of us in this room who have been beating ourselves up for 20 or 30 or 40 years over something that we did a long, long time ago. And we have this secret shame that we're holding on to in our heart. And we keep thinking every time that something goes wrong in our life that God is trying to get even with me. And your conscience doesn't know when to say, you know what, enough is enough. You don't have to live this way any longer. You can be set free. Guys, that's what I want you to hear today. From my heart and from God's Word, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to be eaten up with guilt. God has a better way. So, what should we do with our guilt? 
Well, the Bible is very specific about this. It tells us how to get off the guilt trip. There's no reason that any one of you should leave this building today with a guilty conscience. No reason at all. If you take the steps God says in His Word that we must take to be freed from guilt. They're very simple steps. Okay, Did you hear that? What kind of steps are they? Simple steps. They're not easy steps, but they're simple steps. There are three of them. Number one, I have to admit it. I have to admit it. I don't minimize it. I don't bury it. I don't ignore it. I don't push it down. I don't try to deny it. I simply own up to it. I admit it. I say, you know what? That was wrong. What I did was wrong. That was a sin. It was stupid and it was dumb and I willfully chose to do the wrong thing because you know what? At the time, that's what I chose to do. I wanted to do the And it was wrong. And I admit it. Proverbs 20, verse 27 out of the Good News translation says, The Lord gave us a mind and a conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. You can't hide from yourself. Sometimes people try to get rid of their guilt by running away from it. And we run away from it in many different ways. Some people simply overwork themselves. They become workaholics. I'm going to tell you what I told the first service people. There, there ain't, there's not going to be any amens when I say that. Okay? You're not going to admit to that, are you? But you know what? We do it. All of us have done it. We, we, we totally give ourselves to whatever it is we're doing. We, we become workaholics. We try to keep busy because we think to ourselves, if I'm busy, I don't have to think about it. And I don't have to feel bad about it. The dumb choice that I made, that sin that I committed, if I just stay busy, I don't have to go there in my mind. And so what we do all day is work as hard as we can and we concentrate on whatever it is we're doing. But then we go home at night and our body is fatigued and we're tired and we crash on the bed. And we've worn ourselves out physically, but you know what happens the minute you slow down. Here it comes right back to your head. Have you been there? Your body needs rest and you want to go to sleep, but your mind won't let you. Why? Because it's going back and saying, you know what, you did do that. You did it and you know you did it. So you can't run from it. Some people try to escape through drugs or alcohol or by going to Disneyland. Let me, let me tell you something. Some people try to travel all over the world. The problem with that is, no matter where you go, your conscience is going to go with you. You never get away from it. It just stays there. When you finally slow down, you've still got your feelings. I like what this one guy said. He said, you can get high as you can get. You can get Rocky Mountain high. But when you come down, you're still going to have the problem. 1 John 1.8 If we say we have not sinned, we are just deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. I, don't, I, don't, I can't find another verse in the Bible that is as plain forward and as simple on this statement as that one. If, if you say you haven't sinned, if you say that you don't have guilt in your life, you're just deceiving yourself and the truth is not in us. We're just lying to ourselves if we don't admit 
the things that we've done that are wrong. We deceive ourselves. And if you want to stop defeating yourself, you've got to first stop deceiving yourself. Call it what it is. Say, God, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I've messed up. I've sinned. I admit it. So that's step one. Step two, I accept full responsibility for it. Not only do I admit it, I accept responsibility for it. It's like saying, you know what? This really was my fault. And I don't try to rationalize it. I don't say, oh, you know, that was just something that happened so long ago. I accept responsibility for it. I don't blame others saying, you know what? It was mostly their fault. Big deal. So what? You know what? It may have been mostly their fault, but in this situation, you don't need to focus on the 90% that it was their fault. You need to focus on the 10% that it was your fault. They're going to have to deal with their own guilt. Right now, you have to deal with your guilt. So you don't minimize it. You don't make excuses. You accept full responsibility for it. Classic example of this in the Bible is, is O King David. You know, I love David. Man, I, I read the story of David and, and my batteries get charged up because he was, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a great leader. He was a great king. Uh, God loved David. David loved God. But you know what? David was just a normal guy that made a couple of really bad decisions. One of them happened one night when he was older. He was, he was up on top of his palace. All of his army was out fighting in a war that he should have been at, but he stayed home, wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. He was looking out over his city, and lo and behold, there's this beautiful woman. You know, really, Hollywood could take this and turn it into a blockbuster. It could be the number one miniseries because it's got it all. He looked down. He saw this beautiful woman. She was bathing out on her upper deck. Apparently, she didn't have clothes on or close to it. And he lusted after her. The Bible said he had her brought into his chambers and he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And if that wasn't bad enough, guess what? She became pregnant. And to try to cover that up, David had her husband murdered. Oh, he's in a mess, is he not? You know what? Here's the bottom line. David had to feel guilt over that. David had to live in guilt because he did have a heart for God. He was following the Lord. And let me tell you, as a Christian today, you cannot be a Christian and have the Holy Spirit inside of you and live in sin without being miserable. Okay? So yes, he was dealing with guilt. The prophet came to him and said, Dude, you're the man. <laughs> Not like, you're the man. You're the man that's got sin in your life. And he owned up to it. You know, he could have said, but listen, Nathan, probably listen to me. It takes two to tango. It was her fault, not my fault. He doesn't do that, though. In Psalm 51, verse 3, he said, I recognize my own faults. I am conscious of my own sin. It is before me every day. He's not blaming Bathsheba. And that's what it means to accept full responsibility. And listen to me, church, until you've really done this, you're never going to feel the release from guilt in your life. Accept responsibility. 
So what's the best way to accept responsibility and to ensure that I'm accepting responsibility for my guilt? You're not going to like this, but i got to tell you. The way you do that is admit your fault to another person. God said this is essential in your recovery. James chapter 5, verse 16. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God says revealing your feeling is the beginning of your own healing. Admit your faults to one another. And I know you're, you're in rebellion right now. You're saying in your head, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. Why in the world would I tell what I've done to somebody? Why would I bring another person into this? Well, I tell you, it's because the root of all of your problems are relational. And that's where the fear is coming from. We are dishonest with each other. Did you know that? We, we wear masks in front of each other. We play games with each other like we've got it all together when we don't. We act like we've never sinned when everybody around us knows we have sinned. The fact is, I'm only as sick as my secrets. God says revealing your feeling is the beginning of your healing. And the more you hide that secret shame, the more it's going to hurt. Everybody in this room needs at least one person in their life that they can be totally honest with and know that that person is not going to go blab it to everybody else. And let me just stop right here and say shame on you if you do something like that. But you know that your friend is going to be trustworthy, that they're not going to judge you, that they're going to help in the healing process of your life. This is God's way of freeing us from guilt. We admit it. We accept full responsibility for it. Let me tell you something. If your sin has hurt other people, you need to go apologize for that. And then number three, most important one, I've got to ask God to forgive me. 1 John 1.9 is my go-to verse, but listen to it out of the Phillips translation. If we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable. He forgives us of our sins and makes us thoroughly clean from all that is evil. Now let me ask you, wouldn't you like to be thoroughly clean? Completely forgiven? Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have any skeletons hanging in your closet any longer? Wouldn't it be great if nobody could point a finger at you any longer because your guilt has been dealt with by God and it's been forgiven? It's been wiped out. Let me tell you something, church. Even if there was not such a thing as heaven, and there is, but even if there weren't such a thing as heaven, it would be worth it to become a Christian just to know the joy of being forgiven and having a guilt-free conscience. To know that God has dealt with it. To know that God is not holding this against me any longer. How do you do that? How do you ask God for forgiveness? Well, real quick, there's a right way to do it, and there are some wrong ways to do it. Let me quickly tell you the wrong ways. First of all, you don't have to beg God to forgive you. 
You don't have to come this morning and say, oh, please, please, pretty please, 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 please. Because God is merciful. God is gracious and loving. God loves to forgive. God is more willing to forgive you than you are to come and ask for it. So you don't have to beg God. Number two, you don't have to bargain with God. You don't have to say, God, if you'll forgive me, I promise to read my Bible every day and I'll tithe 12%. And number three, you don't have to bribe God. God, this is what I'll do for you. I'll never sin again if you forgive me. <laughs> well, get real. Huh? That's the wrong way. What is the right way to ask God for forgiveness? You just ask Him with your heart and you believe. You believe. You have faith. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That puts every one of us in the same bucket. We're all sinners. But verse 24 goes on to say, Yet God declares us not guilty if we trust in Jesus Christ, who in His mercy freely takes away our sins. What does that mean? We just believe. And we trust God to do that. The most basic truth of Christianity is this. Jesus Christ has paid for my sin on His cross. And you simply ask Him to forgive you. And you trust Him to forgive you. Your forgiveness is not based on anything you can do. It's based on His grace, His mercy, and His love. You know, I don't know what you've done. I do not know what you've done. But I can guarantee you this. You've done something. We all have. And I'm, I did this first service. I'm going to do it here a second. I'm going to look at every one of you. Because you've done something. E each one of you, you you've sinned. Haven't you? I have. I don't know what you've done. But I do know what Jesus Christ has done. And what He has done is greater than anything you could have done. And what He has done can take care of anything you have done. No matter what you have done. Will you listen to that? No matter what you have done, you can be forgiven. And you don't have to live with that guilt any longer. You can be set free. Now that's some good news. And He offers it as a free gift. Would you come and receive it? Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends who are here today. Lord, there's someone in this room who has never asked You to forgive them. They've never admitted their sin, they've never accepted responsibility for it, they have never asked you to forgive them. And so they're living in guilt. They're consumed in guilt. I pray, dear Lord, that today